This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Friday, June 17th, 2022. I'm your host, Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, the head of VW in America says automakers and dealers are ready for more bumps in the economy. Kia hopes to stir up more buyers with new EV models and Volvo shuffles its executive ranks. Plus a conversation about what it takes to resuscitate a dying service department. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Fears of an economic downturn have been growing recently, highlighted by the Fed this week, raising interest rates by an unusually large three quarters of a percentage point. But at least one major auto industry executive isn't overly concerned about rising interest rates or a possible recession. Volkswagen Group of America CEO Scott Keogh admits the economy could get bumpy soon, but he says the auto industry is in a much better position now than it was back in 2008. If things get bouncy, the reason I'm not so worried is we've been dealing with nothing but bouncy for the last two and a half years. Keogh was speaking at Thursday's Automotive News Congress event in Washington, D.C. with publisher Casey Crane. We'll have more from that conversation for you next week here on Daily Drive. Keogh also said the shift to EVs is ramping up, both in terms of consumer demand and the industry's ability to meet that demand. Speaking of meeting growing demand for EVs, Kia plans to put out a new battery electric vehicle in the U.S. every year for the rest of the decade. That's according to its U.S. sales boss, Eric Watson. The Korean automaker will have eight EVs in its lineup by 2029. They include the EV6 compact crossover that went on sale this year, the redesigned Nero EV, and the EV9 three-row SUV that it will build starting in 2023. Globally, Kia has said it will introduce 14 electric vehicles by 2027. We're seeing some shakeups in the C-suite at Volvo. CEO Jim Rowan has named two deputy CEOs, and he's also moving four of the 11 executives off of the automaker's highest management tier. This comes as Volvo gears up to become an electric-only brand by the end of the decade. It's Rowan's biggest personnel move so far. The former Dyson Group executive succeeded longtime CEO Hokan Samuelson in March. Anders Gustafsson remains president of the Americas. He is listed in that second highest group, along with his predecessor, Lex Kersemachers, who will retire from his role as chief commercial officer and serve as a strategic advisor. And Tesla's CEO, Elon Musk, is getting hit with a lawsuit that says he allowed a toxic work culture. In the lawsuit, Tesla investor Solomon Chow accuses Musk and other officers and directors of breaching their fiduciary duty. He claims they fostered an environment of discrimination and harassment, which could expose Tesla to millions of dollars in possible liability. The company is already facing other claims of racial discrimination and sexual harassment, including a lawsuit from California's Department of Fair Employment and Housing. Tesla didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. It said in a blog post in February that the DFEH complaint is, quote, misguided. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, at the top of the show, we heard from VW Group of America CEO 
Scott Keough from this week's Automotive News Congress in Washington, D.C. That's where you were yesterday. How did it go? And what were some of your big takeaways? Yeah, we had a really good meeting, got a lot of different perspectives on a lot of high level issues. I had a really interesting conversation with Congresswoman Debbie Dingell. She seemed very confident that an agreement can be reached to get the EV tax credit expanded and maybe get a federal framework for autonomous vehicles done. But uh, she said she couldn't get into the details or if she talked about them too much publicly, you can't get the deal done. I said, so is this the part where I'm asking you questions that you can't answer? She corrected me, won't answer. So. <laughs> well, if you tune into the podcast next week, you'll hear several of those conversations from the AN Congress in D.C., including more from VW Scott Keough, Congresswoman Debbie Dingell, and more. And in September, we'll bring the Congress to Detroit. We'll be focusing on collaborations between automakers and suppliers. Should be another great event. Registration starts later this month. Coming up, Bristol Honda's Sean Butler says he likes the reclamation projects. He talks with our own Dan Shine about what it's been like taking over his dealership's floundering service department and what that experience could teach others. That's next on Daily Drive. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. When Sean Butler took over the underperforming and neglected service department at Bristol Honda in Tennessee, his to-do list was four pages long and growing every day. It was filled with big and small tasks, from increasing repair orders and hiring a marketing firm to replacing light bulbs. He also had to rally a staff that had been unmotivated for a few years. Our Dan Shine spoke with Butler about how his efforts to turn the service department into a profitable part of the dealership is going. Today's guest is uh, Sean Butler, who is uh, the Fixed Operations Director at Bristol Honda in Bristol, Tennessee, just across the Virginia lines. And he is on the cover of this month's uh, Fixed Ops Journal with the title Repair Job, How Bristol Honda's Sean Butler is reviving a moribund and neglected service department. Sean, welcome to Daily Drive. Thank you. I appreciate it, Dan. I'm happy to be with you. I was It was quite a surprise to uh, to hit the cover of that. I thought we were just going to get a little half page in the middle somewhere when we first started talking about six weeks ago. 
Yes. Um, well, it was, you know, it's a great story. It was, I was intrigued by how, you know, someone turns around a service department that needs some help. And as uh, our writer, Ken Waisaki, wrote so well uh, in the lead of the story, he said, you know, the old adage of how do you eat an elephant is one, one bite at a time. So what was your first bite when you took over this job to kind of revive this neglected uh, service department? Well, uh, you know, first you have to gauge the mood of the shop and kind of see what the morale and your skill levels are. You're seeing, uh, you're looking at the numbers, you're looking at a myriad of things. It's probably, you know, it's like 20 different things coming together and then you have to prioritize and execute. And this store was well-staffed. They had really good technicians, good at solid advisors, a lot of long-term people that I was shocked that they had hung in this long as bad as it was. So the first priority was to get more traffic. Honestly, the uh, RO count was so low, you know, we needed more cars. That was it. Yeah. And I know you told me that, you know, to, to win over the, the hearts and minds of the staff, you went right to the stomach and you bought them breakfast, you know, early on brought breakfast in, had a meeting when you, when, you know, the new sheriff's in town. What did you tell them? Well, I told them, I asked them to give me 90 days. I said, you know, I said, it's a great course app. I was, you know, full of compliments from everything that I could, you know, dig up and find out. I brought in a couple hundred dollars worth of Bojangles that morning, had parts, service, even some of the upper management from uh, Memphis here. And I just said, give us 90 days. If, if you're not happy after 90 days, if you don't see it going in the right direction, you're not making more money, I'll help you load your cart up on a rollback and I'll pay for it if you want to leave. As someone who lived in the South before and was eating at Bojangles, uh, I would have been all on board with you just uh, just with that. So it's, you got 34, about 34 staff members, 19 bays, 14 techs. What were some of the, the big issues, you know, that were preventing Bristol Honda from making you know money? I don't know the ROs, the effective labor. What are what were some of the issues you saw right away? Um, both the the biggest two things was a the car traffic. Be the lack of motivation because people had just kind of been existing, right? During COVID, the traffic numbers went way down. The previous organization did nothing to advertise for the service department. So everybody was just kind of surviving. A lot of the techs had been paid hourly. The advisors were being paid a salary because the expectations had gone so low that, I mean, it was just like everybody had kind of given up and they were just existing, which is no way to be in this business, right? You want excitement, you want opportunity, you want growth. So hours per RO, the effective labor rate, the pay scales, all of those things were quickly addressed and adjusted. It had to be. We're losing money. This store was losing money. And this, you're under kind of a new ownership group that bought this store, brought you in. And so, you, you know, I would imagine also it's important to get that buy-in from your dealer principal and from your GM. How have they been in support of, of, of your work? Well, that was the beautiful thing. So my boss is the corporate fixed ops director named Greg Moore. He is awesome. Me and him have been friends for like five, six years. He's tried to hire me a couple, two, three times. It never worked out. So it was exciting to get to work with somebody that I'd already been friends with for years and I know that we share a lot of the same philosophies. We take care of our people first, knowing that if we do that, they take care of their customers and they'll take care of the other employees. So the backing, 100% on board. I, I couldn't ask for you know a better organization or a better boss. Uh, and they gave me the opportunity to run multiple locations, knowing they were buying the other stores as well. So that kind of leads me to the question is, you know, you could, you've got a long history, I think 27 years or so uh, of fixed ops. You probably could. You probably could have gone to a place that was, you know, 
humming smoothly, been in a little bit easier job. Why take kind of this reclamation project on? You know, that's kind of like my niche, right? Everybody has something they like. I really enjoy fixing things. And when it's a challenge, it keeps you interested. When everything's going too smooth, I'm always looking for one of the wheels to fall off the bus, right? And it, it gets kind of boring. You know, that's why I've moved on from a couple jobs, either from either just not enough challenge in it or a disagreement with the uh, the way they wanted to head for the future. And, uh, you know, I'm not ever going to do anything unethical or immoral or ask my employees to. And when I feel like I'm being pushed in that direction, I don't want to participate any longer. You and I first spoke a few months back uh, when I kind of had this idea for the story. You talked about having a, a, a notebook of the t- your to-do list. I think it was you know over 100 items, um, big and small. Tell me, like, one of the small things that I would kind of remember is how many light bulbs you've changed in, in the shop since you got there. Currently, we're over 400 and counting. When I look out the window right now, I still see like four or five out. I don't know if they've gone out since the first round of fixing them or they just haven't been fixed yet. But we have replaced over 400 light bulbs in the shop. Wow. And are you crossing off more items than you're adding to the list? Yes, sir. It's, it's, right now, it's pretty dialed in. Right now, we're just waiting for our first wave of mailers to hit. They go out next week. It took me a lot longer than I anticipated to get that going since it wasn't existing in the store. Between the database and the DMS and the third-party vendor, it was a lot of coordination involved. And uh, so I'm excited to get that kicked off. I will say that our car count, using Pickstop's marketing for our website and repair pile, our car count has already gone up by 25 to 30% over what it was at the 1st of April, just through word of mouth and a better website. So now you've got some, you know, get some little bit of marketing muscle behind you. Yeah. Well, you know, the right, the right number for our bay count and our technicians and everything is about 65 to 70 cars a day utilizing Express, which they weren't utilizing at all. Everything was kind of going in the main shop. And we were doing in the high 20s for cars when I first got here. Right now we're in the high 30s and low 40s per day. So we're looking to grow another 20, 30 cars a day. So give me some other figures. I know that uh, you sent me a photo, uh, texted me a photo maybe a week or so ago when you were with a grill with burgers and sausages and all sorts of good looking food on it. And you said, you know, you told them anytime they hit not you know, a record number, you were cooking out. So I think you've been cooking out a lot so far. Yeah, we're getting ready to have our third cookout. All right, so the first one we did hamburgers and hot dogs. And the second one we did, you know, brats and barbecue. This month we're going to do steaks. I told them every time they cross a, a new threshold of the pick stops uh, gross records, um, which also equals net, by the way, when you increase the gross, that we would have a cookout. So we're well on our way to breaking another record mark by about another 20 grand. So when I first got here, the store was, you know, just in the, it lost 25 grand. Let's be honest. It, it lost 25 grand a month before I got here. The first month, our gross went up about eighty grand, and we put twenty five grand in the bank. So that was a fifty thousand dollars swing. And then the second month, we put about thirty two thousand dollars in the bank, and the gross went up by a hundred grand over what it was before I got here. And this month, we're pacing to be about a hundred and thirty grand more in gross, you know, for the store. So we don't have a long way to go to where we have doubled the gross. You know, so far so good. Tell me where, you know, in the next six months, what, you know, what are your plans? What are your, you know, goals for like the next six months uh, for, for the service department there? 
Um, we're looking to grow, like I said, with uh, getting ourselves out and doing some advertising. We want to get our express department dialed in. I've got two two-man teams, you know, like a lot of the import manufacturers do. I have a ton of Toyota experience, so that's the model. But Honda has a pretty much the same program, which we're participating in. And we just want to get the ourselves out there in the community and grow our customer base, which equals long-term sustainability and also drives sales on the other side of the building. It's a circle, right? They all work together. Parts goes up. And uh, our goal is to double what the business was before we got here and in anticipation of a new store. that We're getting a new store within two years. They're already uh, looking at property. And uh, Umansky does it very well. If you look at their other stores, they're all Taj Mahal's and they were all built within two to three years of purchasing the dealership. That's great. Very exciting times ahead for you there. We appreciate you being part of FOJ and, and being on the cover and, and, and yeah. joining us on Daily Drive. Thanks so much for your time, Sean. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate it, man. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Sean Butler runs the service department at Bristol Honda. He spoke with our own Dan Shine. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest on fixed ops, the economy's ripple effects on automakers, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.